Elevate Your Running Podcast, episode number 93. Thank you so much for joining us for another week. My name is Austin Myers. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Manderscheid. Sarah, how are, how are you doing? Hey, Austin. Everything's great. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing really well. Sarah, uh, almost a week from the day, we will see each other in Indianapolis. You're running the half, I'm running the marathon, and we're going to sit down and record our first in-person podcast in quite a while. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I think our last in-person was the summer of 2022, right? Before you moved. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so a while. Been so. Yeah, this podcast is is going strong. We're coming up on our 100th episode, and uh, which should be a really fun day and an episode, and also our two year mark coming up here uh, right after the beginning of the year. So it's a really exciting kind of place and time to be, and it'll be great to see each other in person and support each other in indie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're really finding our stride both uh, as podcasters and runners. So it's an exciting time. Um, Well, let's begin the episode the way that we have for many episodes, and that is with our elevated moment. Sarah, what is your elevated moment for the week? Yeah. um, I feel like maybe it's not so just the week, but really just the season of running that I'm in. And I posted about this earlier in the week about this cycle has just been about being curious and really getting outside of my comfort zone and trusting myself and having fun. And I'm just really grateful to be in that place with my running. I'm really just feeling strong. I'm feeling really confident both in my physical ability, but also where my mind is going when I'm running. And um, I feel like that's a really it's just a great place to be. It just feels really good. I know that it doesn't last forever. Um, There's definitely seasons that come with physical and mental strength. And this is the runner that I was for so long. And I think there were a few years where I just didn't have that side of it. So working with Nell has been really great to really rebuild that. And I feel like this cycle, um, is really demonstrating a lot of positive strengths. And um, I'm just really excited to be in this place and running and to be racing and to have the means to travel to race and to see you and to see Abby and to have my teammates there. (laughs) Although all my teammates are tapering right now. And that's like the only thing I'm like, oh, this is so mentally hard to like still be in a very high mileage week. And my team is tapering for Indy, but it's all good good things. And I just feel really, really grateful to be healthy and to be having a lot of fun and traveling to cities that I love and distances that I love and going back to CIM and like really in a lot of ways, comparing my first marathon in 2019 to my sixth marathon in 2023 and what that looks like and how different it is. Yeah. So much to be proud of. And Um, You hit on many themes that I think we're going to discuss in today's episode. So uh, really happy to hear that for you. I know you're you're on the right path to uh, an amazing sixth marathon in uh, December. Yeah, it should be hopefully a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. And I also want to note that um, 
I think a lot of times, Austin, you're probably will agree with me on this, is that when you get into seasons like this, it doesn't just happen overnight. And there's a lot of hard work that happens behind the scenes. And it's a lot of stuff that I don't share that I do to be in this spot today. So um, I think that feels even that much more special, knowing all the hard work that's been put into training and racing and running and recovery and all the things. So it's um, a really cool place to see the hard, hard work really pay off, the high mileage pay off, the sacrifices the social sacrifices that I've made for years, basically at this point. <laughs> and, um, and it's all good, but yeah, it'll be a great, great uh, day in Indy. And um, I'm excited to see what you can do too. And maybe that leads us into your elevated moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking <laughs> of paper, um, that is my elevated moment is being in a taper after um, a marathon prep that I I was pleasantly surprised at how much volume and mileage I was able to handle on a week to week basis. Yeah, but at the same time, like being able to handle something doesn't mean you don't feel um, the weight of of that intensity and that stress. Um, so you know, I feel like the the work that was put in has put me in a, an amazing position to run a strong race, the race that I wanted to run from the outset of this training cycle. And now I can settle into the taper. I can feel the benefits of my body slowly recovering over the course of these next 12 days. And, um, you know, I think it's ultimately going to lead to a great race in Indianapolis. Certainly I've already kind of, you know, been overthinking things and, you know, asking myself the hard questions of, did I do enough? Am I ready? Um, but you just recognize those as normal feelings. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a normal, you know, consequence of really investing heavily into something and caring deeply about the result of it. Um, but I, I am proud to have put together the training cycle that I have, and I, I'm really happy to, uh, allow my body to recover, um, ahead of hopefully a really big performance, um, you know, here in just under two weeks. Yeah. I mean, off offline before we started recording, you know, we talked a little bit about your training and, you know, my mind is still pretty blown. <laughs> like How many miles a week you were running, the, the number of reps you were running, the, the paces you were running in your long run. Um, it, but you also were training in Texas, heat and humidity for most of the summer in these high mileage weeks. And so I knew from that you were going to have a really strong race. It's just a matter of like, where was that pace going to fall? So it's really exciting to see kind of where you're leaning and where you're going. And, um, I haven't raced at India. I've only heard amazing things and I've had athletes race it. Um, and when I say amazing, it's flat and fast. So mm -hmm. here's to that and running strong, happy, and hopefully both of us, some very strong PRs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is a topic we'll discuss, um, hopefully when we record in person, but just to quickly mention it because it's on my mind, like I am being very intentional about separating, um, this training cycle from the race in a, mm -hmm. in a way that means like, even if everything goes wrong on race day and I fall short of my goal, I'm yeah. still going to, um, have pride in all of the work that I've put in. 
Uh, and I, I feel like that's a point of growth that I've had uh, over my time at, in, in developing as a runner is like, you know, the outcome matters. I, I'm not going to lie. Like the outcome does matter to me. But at the same time, I understand that the outcome doesn't always come, but you always have the ability to put in the work ahead of time um, and train for that A goal that you're looking for. Um, and that's, I think, a healthy place to be is like, I'm not, um, I am not a, a product of the result. I, I yeah. put in the work and, and the work was driven, you know, by how much I, I enjoy and I care about the training and what I'm doing. But at the same time, like anything can happen on race day and you have to yeah. be okay with that. And, and in many yeah. ways, like that's the beauty of running the marathon. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in Chicago, right? Like I was expecting to see stronger for performances all around. And it was really like the same type of performances that happen in every marathon. Some people have great days, some people have good days and some people just can't even get going. And it's, you know, it's really tough when you do put in a lot of work and don't see that pay off. But Austin, I feel like I'm in the same place as you as if like, you know, I feel very confident going into Indy and CIM right now. Um, but if it doesn't happen, the training has been so rewarding on so many different levels. And I feel like I've grown as an athlete and I've gotten back to that like fun factor that's been missing for a while. So it feels really good to be in that place. So it's really fun to see you in that place and to see what you create on race day. And is Abby racing? Is your girlfriend racing? She is not. Um, she is there That's just strictly in support. Uh, we had a lot of success in Buffalo uh, when she was able to meet me a few times throughout the course um, and just cheer me on and provide some uh, some fuel and, and yeah. emotional support as well. So we're going to do yeah. that. Um, it's a course that fortunately we know pretty well because we've been there uh, a few different years for both the half and uh, full marathon. Um, so we're, we're just going to be there as a, as a team. I love that. And it feels, I think it's just next level when you know you can look forward to people that you love or people that you care about on the course for sure. And then also knowing that they're handing you either gels or bottles, like makes such a big difference. And you know, yeah. like if you drop a bottle, which I did at Chicago, like uh, two years ago or a year ago, like, you know, you're getting another one in like a 5k and it's okay. Yeah. And there is like this calming aspect to it. So I, I absolutely love that for you guys. I'm so excited to see both of you and hopefully I get to see her on the course as well. Um, well, imagine starting your next race. Maybe you're going to Indy. Maybe it's Indy 2024. Hey, who's going to Indy? <laughs> you want to show up strong, confident, and ready to tackle the race course and distance. You have the training, the fitness, and the endurance for your race. All right, now let's take a step back. Is that something that you want? Maybe it's something you want to create in 2024. You can have it all without personalized programming and communication from a coach. The Elevate Your Running Beginner and Intermediate Training Plans are now available in the base plan, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon distances 
on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. There's also a fabulous run Boston strong pre-training plan for anyone running the Boston Marathon next spring. This is the plan before the plan. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy and the proven workouts path athletes have ran to achieve results while running strong, happy, and confident. Each plan includes a downloadable PDF training guide, a run terminology guide, nutrition and fueling guide, suggested strength training exercises via the YouTube channel, the Elevate YouTube channel, in a race day planner sheet. It's all the pro coaching you want for less than a 12-pack of your favorite running gels. You can save 20% on your plan now with code ELEVATE20 at checkout. That's at elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. I love it. Sarah, everything that you're doing with Elevate Your Running uh, is truly amazing. Those plans you've been discussing for the past few weeks, um, there's so much value there. And I love that yeah. that runners can, you know, really trust the plan that they have, but they don't have to feel like they're, you know, they're putting out, you know, money that might, they might not feel comfortable spending on a, a, a monthly basis um, for a coach. Yeah. Like we, we always discuss the value of a coach. We believe in coaching. Um, so the fact that runners can get that coaching, that same attention, um, just in a different way through a training plan that they can trust, like it's huge. And I think it also hits a lot on what we're going to discuss today, which is, you know, just being able to step back during a training cycle or during maybe a rough stretch of your running and to say like, how do I know that this training is working? I know that this is a place that I was in two months ago when I was running, as you mentioned, through the heat of Texas every single day and just struggling to hit paces um, and just really being unsure of myself. Like I had to step back and I had to look at all of the things that I could rely upon as indicators that I was progressing, even if objectively the numbers weren't saying that I was getting faster. Um, and I think that that's a very common place to be for runners. And that goes up to elite runners as well. You don't always mm -hmm. see on a day-to-day -day basis training represented in a linear fashion, at least not um, based on the mile split. So today what we want to discuss are the somewhat hidden signs that you can start to look for to really fall back on like just the trust that you have in your programming. And also as signs that you are developing as a runner, you are on the right track, whether you're training for a specific time-based goal or if you're training just to develop over time and to continue to make incremental progress. So that's what we're going to discuss today. We're going to look at what you can look for in your training to develop over time. Yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. I feel like we're both kind of in you know, a good place in our training right now, which we're in like mid-October, right? But we've all kind of definitely have been through cycles where maybe that confidence was lacking or we were unsure of what our true potential was or we went into a race not really fully understanding what we were capable of, right? So it's like, these are the things that you can really lean on when you're in a training cycle to know that things are working and to really like ultimately trust the process because that's what it's all about. And 
sometimes kind of mention this in a very like uh, subconscious way, my elevated moment, you can go through many training cycles. Generally, it's not many. In my case, it was many training cycles of just feeling like you're not making progress. You kind of plateaued, you make some changes, you go back to the same distance that you've been running. You may have like you know, a good race. I went into Chicago last year feeling very strong, very confident. And we raced oh, 26.2 that was designed around finishing strong. And then a PR came from that, right? So that was kind of the secondary goal that day. But then you kind of mix things up in your training and things just get turned around, right? How many times have you been in a longer endurance cycle and then you go back and do something more speed oriented or you do you go into a new training cycle that's just very different from what you're used to. It's like a whole new learning curve, right? To some extent. So it's a really awesome place to be once you find kind of that secret, kind of that secret weapon to your training, right? And how you can show up and know that things are working, whether you're hitting paces or you're not hitting paces. It could be more a feeling. It could be having that confidence from your watch telling you that you're doing it. It could be the confidence from your coach telling you that you're doing it, or it could be a combination of all those three things. So it's a really, really cool place to be once you're there. And if anything, I hope this episode kind of helps you flow into feeling more confident in this training cycle, or maybe it's in your up coming training cycle. I know a lot of people have raced recently, so you might be in rest, recovery, or base training right now, which is totally okay. I think this is a great episode to lean into. How do you want to show up for your next training cycle and some key clues to look for to know that things are working? Yeah. And and the best part is that some of these ideas that we're going to discuss, namely the first one being feeling fatigued, Like that is something that (laughs) we would typically, (laughs) and yes, I do too as well. (laughs) Um, We would typically say that fatigue is, you know, like if we were going to assign it into a, a positive bucket or a negative bucket, we would say that fatigue is a negative, but we also come back to, you know, in our podcast, almost every episode, like that growth equation of stress plus rest equaling growth. It's like stress and fatigue are synonymous with each other in this way. We need to stress our bodies uh, more so when we're trying to progress throughout a training cycle. So, you know, to be in a fatigued state and maybe in a fatigued state for, you know, multiple weeks as you build up for a big race is actually like what we're looking for in a way. Obviously, we need to balance Mm -hmm. that with that rest and recovery. We need to ensure that um, that is balancing out in a way that allows us to maximize those moments of stress and fatigue to get the most out of ourselves as possible in those moments. Um, But at the end of the day, like if you are feeling fatigued, maybe your legs are a little heavy during uh, a tempo session. Maybe you're just feeling like really run down on an easy run and you're like this pace should not feel this hard that's actually something that if you're working with a coach or you know if you're running through a plan 
that's a part of the training program. That is an, an intentional feeling for you to experience and to continue to train through so that you can then benefit from those moments where you lower the fatigue and you see the amount of fitness that has been developed. Yeah, absolutely. I joked, joking, not joking about writing the fatigue just because I am tired, but you're tired. We're all tired, right? <laughs> Maybe I'm tired from the training fatigue. Um, but what you want to do is really take a look at the cumulative fatigue, right? So when you're in a training cycle, the longer you go through the training cycle, the more uh, quality you have, the more miles that you're running, you're building that fatigue, right? It's cumulative until you taper. The recovery weeks are a nice kind of, um, it's a nice way to kind of pause a bit on the, on the fatigue and kind of rest and recover a bit. It's a nice pullback, but it's not enough to feel good, right? To feel really good and to feel like how you would maybe, you know, a week and a half into taper or something like that. So the cumulative fatigue is a huge piece to racing well, and it's a huge, or to be able to feel the fitness to race well, it doesn't mean you will race well, but it is a huge piece to training. And when you have that trusting in the process and understanding that it's actually helping you and working for you and not against you. And I think oftentimes when we feel fatigued, um, it can be a little scary. It can be, you know, you're not really sure what's going on, especially if it is maybe your first cycle of training for, let's say a 13.1 or a 26.2, and you are feeling that fatigue, or maybe it's an up level and you're training from what you've done in the past. And it's just this whole new level of fatigue. Um, but it's really, shifting the mind and knowing that it is going to help you in the long run. But I think too, it goes back to an episode that was recorded a few months ago about what's, what's normal, what's not normal in training and understanding that fatigue is a super normal part of the process. It needs to be incorporated into your training. I just started to feel fatigued on my daily runs, which is like bittersweet because I know it's good for me but it's not as fun as when you feel good every day. Um, but what you don't want to do is have it show up where it's overriding the fitness, where you're unable to hit paces. You're feeling fatigued and sore for days and days and days on end, and you're unable to hit pace. I think when that starts to happen, maybe there's a bit more, there's too much fatigue going on and it's taking a look at your training cycle, your mileage, your intensity, how easy are your easy days? Can they be a little bit easier? What does your heart rate look like? What's all the data combined showing to be able to flow into maybe adjusting? How's your recovery? Recovery is a huge piece to feeling fatigued. And when you have everything kind of dialed in, it should be a huge confidence booster knowing that, yes, you're fatigued now, but gosh, you're going to feel like a million bucks when you're in taper. That's the goal. Yeah, I had I had so many workouts throughout this training cycle um, where they were really hard and they tested me. But I remember finishing the workout and kind of saying to myself, that would have been like pretty easy had I not been under so much fatigue during the workout. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I can hit those paces all day if the fatigue isn't there in the same way that it is. Or if you consider other, you know, stress factors in a way, like the heat that I was training in. Sarah, yeah. for you, it's like training at altitude. There's a lot of moments in a training cycle where you can say, man, if I really like step back and consider what I'm going to feel like when I'm tapered, when that mm-hmm. fatigue is drastically lowered, when I'm in more ideal circumstances for performance, like there's a good chance yeah. you have that confidence to say, oh yeah, like I could have handled this workout no problem. But the point is to feel that, to feel mm-hmm. the fatigue, to lean into it, to as best you can achieve the training goal for the day and then recover as well as you can and move on to the next. And when you can do that day by day and that compounds over time and then you have that taper, like that taper being just you know exactly what you need it to be for the duration leading into a race, that's where you just feel amazing uh, at the beginning of that race thinking like, wow, this pace feels so easy. It's because the yeah. fitness was always there. In many ways, it just hides behind the fatigue that's sitting there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a wall between you and your PR, right? Or you and running strong. It's like the heavy legs, the fatigue, and it could be mindset fatigue too, especially if Mm. you are in kind of that like peak block of training. Um, On Saturday, I did a 22 mile long run, which side note was supposed to be 24, but my coach changed it in the last minute, which was fine. It ended up being fine. I ran 22 with uh, 20 miles at either moderate or goal pace. And it was one of the harder runs that I've done all year because my legs are starting to feel the effects of high mileage. I'm essentially running half marathon style workouts in a marathon training build because of my half marathon being five weeks out before CIM. And yes, it's a tune-up. Yes, I'm going into it on just a recovery week, so I'm not tapering for it, but we really have a strong goal, which is arguably, I think, more, I think we're leaning into the indie goal a little bit more than the CIM goal, because we know if the indie goal is there, the CIM goal will just be, should be there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you take into account 13.1 over 26.2, but going into a run when you're feeling like a million bucks and you're hitting pace is one thing. Going into a run, feeling fatigued, hitting your paces, it feels hard, but you did it, should be actually more of a confidence-boosting run than when you feel good. I had an athlete this weekend, kind of the same thing happened to her. She went in, she's running New York City, and um, I guess it's under three weeks now. She's in taper. It was her last big run. And she hit paces, but she was very fatigued. And she's like, that didn't feel good at all. And I'm like, great. (laughs) You still did it. It should be a huge confidence boosting thing for you. You should know that the training's working if you can run goal pace on extremely tired legs because your legs won't be like that for race day. And that's what's so exciting. I think it's also important to note, like the summer I was in, uh, the summer of speed, which I think is ultimately, which is uh, translating to such a strong fall. And, um, I think it's important to note that when you are running speed and you're running high intensity top end one mile 5k effort, 
but maybe your mileage is a little bit lower, that's a different type of fatigue that still counts, right? Because your body's going through a whole different type of cycle. It's going through a whole different type of intensity and you're really mixing up the training. So you could feel fatigued from that in a totally different way than let's say a 13.1 or a 26.2 type of training cycle, but it all counts and it all matters. The metaphor that I use is that you are like forming a callus uh, throughout your training. Mm-hmm. And I view that as, as a mental and a physical, like you're, you're callousing your mind to be more resilient to that stress and, and what's needed to overcome the tougher miles of a race. And you're also callousing your body and you're becoming more resilient. And you think about, you know, when a callus is created, typically it's the most painful in the process of creating it. But then once that callus is there, like that, that skin thickens and and you're more resilient to the stress. And that's what we're doing with our training is, is we're becoming more resilient to the stress that we're going to face when it's time to perform. And that's why in many ways it just feels easier on race day because you're resilient and you're also less fatigued. So it's going to take longer for that stress to accumulate during the race. The paces are going to feel easier, hopefully until the later miles. And, you know, all of that training, mental and physical, ultimately comes to your benefit. I remember getting into the final weeks of this training cycle. And, you know, in many ways, you anticipate the taper and you're looking forward to it and you're counting down the quality sessions that you have. And I remember thinking, it's not physical anymore. Like I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I can hit these paces. I was no longer intimidated by the paces, but I was truly just fatigued. I remember saying to Abby, I was like, I just like, you know, just that mental battle. I just don't want to go back to back, to, you know, mm-hmm. to battle with my mind again today. I know yeah. what it feels like to be in these workouts when it hurts, when you have multiple reps left and you'd rather stop. And of course, I'm not going to stop. I know that, but it's still a battle and it's a battle that weighs heavily on you and fatigues you in a unique way, separate from the physical fatigue. And if you respect both of those aspects of training, and again, like we said, you lean into it, then you you see the benefit of it come race day. Absolutely. The mindset is such a huge piece um, to training and keeping your mindset as strong and as sharp as possible. And something I've been using in this training cycle has been that notion of like going into the workout, telling myself I can do it. The pace is very similar to you, Austin, don't seem as daunting as they used to be. When I first started working with my current coach, which was last summer, I would get so nervous before every workout, before every long run Going into Chicago long runs, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. This is so different from what I used to do for long runs. And this is a lot. And like, she wants me to run how many miles at marathon pace, which felt really hard at the time. And this season has been, oh yeah, I can do this. Um, And it's going into workouts and into long runs with that mindset And then at the very start of the first mile, as soon as that pace clicks over on my watch, I tell myself, you're doing it. And sometimes I say it out loud. (laughs) Sometimes I don't. And I just tell, you know, say it like in my mind, I think it. And it's every 
single mile. And I have done this for the last, I guess, two months for every single workout, for every single long run. And it has been a game changer in my training. And I have to say, like, if you're going to do anything different in your next training cycle, maybe do that. Tell yourself you're going to do it. Tell yourself you can you can do it. And then every single mile, even if it's in the easy warm-up phase, which is what I've been doing on my long runs, tell yourself you're doing it and see what happens. It's like a huge, like, hug slash like lifting you high at the same time. It's such a huge confidence booster. And the mind is such a huge piece to training that if you can practice this in training, it does kind of help kind of alleviate some of that mindset fatigue as well, um, which is a good place to be. Yeah. And and what you do in training is probably going to be reflected through what you know what you're doing on race day and if if you're constantly in a battle with negative self-talk when you're struggling and that negative self-talk comes into play on race day it can often lead to uh, detrimental results that didn't necessarily have to occur if you could have better managed that stress so that's definitely really powerful um the next you know idea that we want to discuss in terms of trying to better understand how you're progressing throughout a training cycle when the results may not necessarily be there is leaning into perceived exertion. And by perceived exertion, what we mean is you are leaning into into the way that the effort is supposed to feel. A lot of marathon training can fall into the category of like comfortably uncomfortable. Basically, mm-hmm. you're sitting in that, you know, low to mid-level discomfort and you'd prefer for it to stop but you can continue forward by exercising some of those you know mental uh, practices that Sarah was just discussing or the physical strength that you've been developing throughout the training cycle and that was a big learning point uh, for me you know training in the heat is just trying to understand that the pace may not be there you, you're probably, you know, for a few weeks at the beginning of a training cycle going to fall short of some of these workouts. But what you can really try to be mindful of is the perceived exertion that you're looking for. What is it supposed to feel like? How can you give that effort, embrace the discomfort while not necessarily attaching yourself and your, um, you know, confidence to what you're seeing come across your watch. And there certainly comes a point during a training cycle where you have to face the facts. You have to face reality to say, okay, if I'm still not hitting these paces, like what's happening? Why am I not hitting the paces? Um, Perceived exertion does have to be measured based on pace at some point, especially Mm -hmm. in, in something like marathon training, because you can't, you know, be redlining the first 10 miles of a marathon. You have to run, you have to feel comfortable. And if you don't feel comfortable early on in a marathon, even if you're running fast, if you don't feel comfortable, imagine how you're going to feel at mile 18 and 20 when you're not supposed to feel comfortable. So, you know, perceived exertion can be a double-edged sword, but I think it's, it's really important when you're not seeing those, you know, uh, measurable outcomes that you're looking for. This is particularly 
um, important, you know, during the early stages of a training cycle to just lean into perceived exertion, better understand the training and how you're supposed to feel during some of these workouts, like ask the question to your coach or do the research um, through the training program that you're working through to understand, like, why is this programmed in my in my training cycle? And when you understand why it's there and what you're looking to get out of that type of workout, then you can better understand how you're supposed to feel. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's t- taking a step back too and evaluating what's going on around you, right? Are you in the midst of peak week for a race? Are you running in heat and humidity? Are you running at altitude? Are you wearing trainers when you should or could be wearing <laughs> lighter shoes? Like there's a lot of different factors. Are you sleep deprived? Are you dehydrated? Which the dehydration piece for me is always like what causes that. Um, and taking a look at all those factors and then assessing like how did pace actually feel? Okay. You ran merit, you ran like what marathon pace should feel like, but it came in slower and just mentally, like what I do is I'll mentally like think about like, Oh, I'm stacking another brick. This was still a huge deposit in the training bank for today. I'm excited for this. I'm stacking the bricks and just trusting the process all summer long. I ran speed work to run a mile, a 5k race. Um, and I was practicing like my workouts would start around 7:45 AM in the summer on Wednesdays. And then my workouts on the weekend, I would try and get out earlier, but they would always be in the heat. And I'm very, 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 very sensitive to heat. And it's not something that's like, Oh, she's just like, she doesn't want to run in the heat. No, I'm just like very sensitive to it. If you've seen me run in the summer, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, and I just feel everything just feels so hard in the summer. And then when you add in top end speed on top of it, it's just awful. And like my coach, this is our second summer together in at the beginning of summer. She's like, is this how it was last year? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like, this is just how I am. And so we worked on nutrition. We worked on supplements. We worked on heat training. And then as the weather shifted, she's like, oh my gosh, it actually is the heat for you. Like you literally have such a tough time running in it. And, you know, I was running on effort all summer long and you've got to know yourself enough to understand that there could be seasons like that for you too. And knowing that once you flow through it, whether that's in the summer, maybe it's at altitude, maybe it's you're going through a stressful season in life then when you come through it, as long as you can stay healthy, you're going to find a huge surge in fitness, right? And that's what I'm finding now. It's like I was putting in all this work and I was hitting paces, but I was also showing up really sluggish and slow and just like, ugh, every week. And it ended up paying off. So it's really like trusting the process and knowing that if you can lean into effort, it will show itself. It will pay off. Your hard work will come to fruition. You will be able to see it. It's just a matter of like when, and also that fine balance of making sure that you're not overrunning and putting in way too much effort into a, into a training run or something of that, 
uh, nature. An example would be um, when I was training for the Boston Marathon, I had a 22-mile long run in the North Boulder back road. So it was on hills, it was on dirt, and I was running in 40-mile-per-hour headwind for three-fourths of that run. It was actually the exact same type of run that I ran on Saturday where it was a two-mile warm-up, five at moderate pace, five at goal pace, five at moderate, five at goal pace. And I tried so hard to hit goal pace because I needed to see it on my watch because most of Boston training was on hills. I had to run on effort. And for me, I just needed that confidence of seeing a long run and seeing the actual paces that I wanted to run at Boston. And so I did it. And my coach texted later that day and said, I need you to take a rest day tomorrow because you totally went into the well trying to hit 7.15 pace in 40 mile per hour winds on dirt and on hills, right? So like I went into like 10K effort to do that, which didn't set me up for success. I had to take a rest day and then things just kind of started to unwind from there. But like, it's really important to know what you're doing, your outside elements, how you're feeling, what the actual run is supposed to be like, what the intention is of that run and staying true to that and not letting the ego kind of take over. Cause I know I've been there. It can sometimes take over and you really just want to be true to yourself and knowing that if you set your training up, right, it will totally pay off later on. And hopefully that's on race day. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned ego. Um, you know, your, your body doesn't know pace. It knows effort, yeah. but our ego knows pace. Yeah, it does. Um, and our ego will happily shun effort in favor of pace. Um, I think there's, you know, something to be said of confidence and, you know, working towards a place of confidence, especially um, as you enter a taper and you prepare mentally for a race. But that confidence is not earned by, you know, just leaning into the ego at all times and allowing the ego to dictate your effort. Because oftentimes that um, is a very quick way to overwork, which then, you know, throws an imbalance into that growth equation that we were discussing earlier. And we have to keep that balance. Yeah, stress is going to be high. But if we force stress so high that recovery is not even really a possibility, um, growth will not occur. If you overrun your easy runs, if you overrun your workouts, if you overrun your long runs, like if you're just day by day by day overrunning, it is going to come back to bite you. There is so much value in leaning into effort in all of those training sessions that I just mentioned and really embracing the adaptation that occurs when you're running appropriately, you know, based on the principles that lead to better half marathon and marathon times. Um, stress is a sign of adaptation, but if you overstress, it's going to lead, you know, to regression faster than adaptation. So um, just leaning into that perceived exertion, you know, embracing, uh, you know, what this training is supposed to feel like and making the most of those moments. Maybe you're not hitting pace, but can you focus on other aspects of your abilities as a runner? 
can you focus more on your fueling and hydration plan and how that's going to, um, you know, come into play when you are feeling good and maybe when you're racing and you're hitting the paces, uh, can you focus on your movement efficiency and, you know, your technique as a runner? Because I'm yeah. sure for a lot of people, you know, when it gets hard and they're trying to force the pace, like technique goes out the window, which is another way to lead into injury. So it's mm-hmm. like we can't allow these negative things to compound. Um, we have to find a way to, you know, create a positive, which to me is leaning into perceived exertion on these harder days and allow the positives to compound. Yeah. And I, I think most of us are a bit type A, right? <laughs> so if there is something that you want to control in training, what I did this summer was I practiced visualizing running like the end of races when I was in that speed work or when I was in a really tough session, knowing like it could feel like this at the very end of a race. So start visualizing how this is going to feel, really lean into it. But then I also knew myself and I knew that this wasn't my true potential. So it's like knowing what you are capable of doing in starting to visualize how the next season's going to look or how the next week's going to look or how the next training run's going to look and really start to visualize and manifest really what you want to create. It's what I've spent most of the summer doing was how did I want to show up this fall? I knew the summer wasn't going to be like a big, you know, on paper training win. So how was I, how did I want to show up this fall? What did I want to create? How did I want to feel? And it's all coming together at this point, which is really exciting. So it is something that you can control. It's actually a tip that I would give for anyone in a speed workout when you're towards the end and starting to feel tough, just visualize the finish line. And that's where you are in the race. That's how you're going to feel. It's not only going to help you in the workout, it's going to help you on race day, kind of channel that mindset to get through it because you've been there in training. How you show up in training is how you show up on race day. And if you can really hold pace and get uncomfortable in that workout, um, you'll be able to get there on race day too, which is a good place to be towards the end of a race. And I also think it's important to note, like to be a student of the sport. It's what I advocate as a coach to all of the Elevate athletes. I can only do so much as a coach on one-on-one training and coaching them. And it's really up to them too, to listen to podcasts, to read articles. Really my biggest thing is like, asking them to just support each other and talk to each other about what's going on and learning more about themselves in the process, really taking that step back to evaluate what's going on. How am I showing up as an athlete and all the things kind of surrounding that? And that's going to give you the confidence to know that running on effort is okay. And you'll kind of flow through a new season where Maybe it's fall and your, you know, fall smiles coming after those summer miles. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, the more that I study the sport, the more that I come to believe that visualization is potentially the most overlooked aspect of performance. And that's not just yes. running, but I think it's very, very powerful in running 
because you're out there for extended periods of time by yourself. Yes. In life, I have spent a lot of time visualizing what I want Elevate to look like. Like this summer, I spent a lot of time visualizing my training, my coaching business, what I wanted my life to look like. And like, it's all starting to happen. Like it's such a huge piece. We've had Dr. Ross on, he's a sports psychologist. Um, It's such a huge piece to what you want to create. If you don't know what you want, how are you going to create it? If you don't believe in yourself, how are you going to create it? You have to trust yourself. You have to gain the confidence and lean into everything you want to create. And sometimes that's going to mean things are, things leave your life. And I'm a big believer that those things, whether it's in running or it's in business or it's in whatever, it's in life, it's like, it's just opening doors to the things that you're meant to have. Or if you're saying no to something because it serves you more, it's a big yes to something else. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's powerful for me um, to hear. So I appreciate you sharing that like outside of running. Uh, It's always been very easy for me to see the things that I want from a physical perspective and to have that confidence to know that I can train for it day by day. I can see the results, you know, kind of begin to come together over time and then I can accomplish that goal. And like the confidence to not only accomplish it, but then to be like, okay, now I can do more. But it's not come as easily outside of the physical. And I think this is where we transition to, you know, kind of an underlying theme of this episode that we believe is a great indication that you're progressing as a runner, whether the paces say you are or not. And it's that you are learning. You are Mm -hmm. learning about yourself and you are learning about the sport. My ideas on visualization have really been sparked uh, as a result of listening to multiple books um, over the last few weeks from elite marathoners, past and uh, present. And I've actually been listening to, you know, Audible on some of my easy runs, which mm. I don't usually do. Um, but it, it just seems like a really good time to like frame my mind around how to better perform and how to better be prepared for performance. And, you know, just, so much talk from these books was about these athletes visualizing what they wanted. And would you believe it that the visualizations that they were having came to fruition? Did it come immediately? Absolutely not. But they worked (laughs) for it for extended periods of time. And like we've said this before, you don't get to choose the timeline, Mm -mm. but you get to choose the work that you do on a daily basis and you get to establish that vision for what you want. And if the if the work and the vision come together to create the result that you want, then you can you can realize that vision. You can manifest what you want. But if if you don't have that vision, if it's not clear, like, you know, I find myself saying, you know, I I, I want this thing, or you know, I, I'm chasing something better than what I have, but what does that really mean? I have to truly paint the picture if I'm going to create the reality. Um, so that's, that's really powerful in terms of visualization. And that all comes as a byproduct of learning more about myself. 
what are my shortcomings? What are my strengths? What is the approach that I'm piecing together on a, a daily basis? And how can I maximize that approach mm-hmm. to perform better? You have to be a student of yourself and you have to be a student of the sport. And when you can do that, you're only going to get better over time. Now, whether that that better is represented on paper or on the time clock when you cross the finish line, that might not mean everything. Like maybe yeah. the fact that you were learning is just compounding into then the result happening on a timeline that you didn't expect. Absolutely. It's like you could be working a really, really long time on something and then finally having that breakthrough season or that breakthrough moment in life, right? Um, I think the most important thing to know is that if the intention's there, if you're moving forward and you're taking, I'm a big believer in the small steps, like you're taking the small steps forward or you're getting uncomfortable, right? Like I needed to get uncomfortable in my training this summer in a wide range of ways, not just running top end speed, but doing it in the summer. And then, oh, on top of that, I get to run all my easy days in 80 degree heat, which is very like difficult for me because I'm such, I'm so sensitive to heat, right? And getting so outside of my comfort zone. And it was something I talked to Nell about maybe six weeks ago and she's like, wow, you like turned this huge corner and you're just running so well. And I'm like, you know, a lot of it's credit to you because you pushed me outside of my comfort zone, something I wouldn't have typically done. Um, So it's looking at that and seeing like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who can help you kind of push yourself a little bit more outside of that comfort zone? How can you show up and take a small step forward each day? I've had to do that with Elevate over the last year of like showing up in ways that I didn't necessarily want to. Um, But it's turning into like all good things, but I'm also really leaning into being myself and just putting things out there that I want to create and who I want to work with and the type of athletes I'm attracting and like just being really dialed in on like that side of things and it's all paying off. So it really is a big, it's a really big um, idea around knowing yourself, creating, visualizing, manifesting, writing it down, taking small steps forward in training and in life, and kind of really leaning into laying those bricks and building the confidence um, throughout all of it. Just ask the question of like, what are the investments that you're making into yourself and into the thing that you say you want? You know, it's a matter of earned versus deserved. Yeah. We don't deserve anything, but we can earn everything. Mm-hmm. And it feels better when you work for it. That's the thing. It's like Doesn't it? I don't think everyone would agree with that. You don't think it does? No, I think it does. I don't okay. think everyone would agree with that. I think there are people we live in a society that's very instantaneous results. I need to see and feel training results or life results instantly, right? But there is something so freaking rewarding about knowing that you put in so much hard work 
And then your dreams start to happen or you start to see it unfold. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's the best. It really is like building my own business out of zero, nothing, absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. It's one of the coolest things I could, I could do. And I'm really sensitive to like who I bring in and who I surround myself with and the coaches I bring that I bring in to help because I don't want it to be that like that instantaneous, like, Oh, I just deserve to have athletes to coach or I just deserve this. It's like, no, we all show up, we work hard and it provides, I think a lot of, I think it provides a lot of good like feels. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I believe anyone who, who would rather, get the thing without the work has never Mm -hmm. gotten the thing after the work. Yeah. Like it, it, it's awful when you're working for it, just to be completely honest, you don't feel like you even understand what you're working for. You don't feel like you're making any progress. It's all for not you're wasting your time. Like the messages are endless. Believe me, I've said every single one of them to myself over the past (laughs) eight months. But the thing is when the smoke begins to clear, and you look at where you're at versus where you were and you start to see like how quickly you are making progress towards the thing mm-hmm. that you wanted. Oh my gosh. It is, it's incredible. It, it's the most gratifying feeling you can ever have. And you're so appreciative of the fact that you didn't stop, but yeah. people stop before the smoke clears. And if they continue to stop, they'll never realize that the best, most prideful moments of their lives are a result of the hardest moments of their lives. Absolutely. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. I've gone through it a few times in my life of like not knowing what's ahead of me and like just continuing to like do what I felt like was the right thing and putting the hard work in and then eventually seeing progress. And what happens is once you start to see and feel the progress and you start to make gains, you start to like multiply it and it is momentum. And then you're unstoppable until the universe like pulls you back down and says, okay, now you get to go through this again. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And that's, and that's all on learning. Like we don't, we don't have this perspective around hard things. If we don't learn from the experiences that we have, we have put ourselves through. Um, and as a runner and as a person who is, you know, enduring the challenges of life, as you endure the miles of a marathon, like you have the ability to learn more and more about yourself and about the world around you and about how to better, you know, um, you know, act under challenging circumstances. So we have that ability. And I do believe that if you are learning even just, you know, one small thing a day, and you can compound that over time, whether the results are, are happening instantly or not, and they're probably not, you are making progress and you will eventually see how much progress you've made. Yeah, they are working. It's just that we don't see it right away or we don't see it happening until there's a stronger sort of like presence around it, right? Um, but it's, it goes back to that 1% rule is if you're making a 1% gain, maybe it's not every day, maybe it's every week or every, you know, month or whatever, it will compound, 
time is going to pass anyways. So we might as well show up and be our best self, be our best athlete, um, take the steps forward, but also really trust ourselves to know that that's, that will be enough at some point to shift and start building that momentum towards what we want to do and where we yeah. want to go. Absolutely. And I've heard it said too, that, you know, one, 1% better every day feels different every single day. So, yeah. you know, that, that struggle that you push through one day can be the same 1% growth as, you know, the, the humongous success that you have the next. So, um, really just embrace the highs and lows of your training and of your life and, and believe that just by putting your best foot forward each day, there is a 1% to be gained. Um, you know, with all that talk of pushing through the hard stuff. Um, <laughs> Let's have some we, fun. We, we also believe in having fun. And, and this is something, Sarah, that you and I really connected on before the episode. And we both, yeah. you know, kind of went back and forth about, man, we've been through in, in the past few months. Um, I think the summer for both of us was really mm -hmm. a time where we were, we were struggling. Like we were running the best way to categorize it is just like we were running up tight. Um, yeah. you know, we were probably overthinking, we were overanalyzing and, and we weren't seeing the results that we wanted to see. And because of all of that, we weren't having fun. And I think that we've both now found a place where we're running relaxed, we're composed, we're confident. And, you know, to feel that way is incredible. And I think that if you're having fun in your training, you're enjoying what you're doing, you're not, you know, questioning every aspect of your approach or your training or, you know, why don't I feel better? If you're not doing that, but you're just truly embracing what is in front of you for that day and you can run a little bit more relaxed, it just seems like the results come as a byproduct of, of all of that. So to have yeah. fun is to put yourself in a really great position for growth. It's, it's a huge piece to training. And yes, I'm a big believer that you can have fun and work hard. And it really, I've said this before on the podcast, it hurts my heart so much when I hear athletes say, I need to stop training because I want to have fun. <laughs> what? You should have been having fun this whole time. So like you get to do both. And if you don't have both, finding a way because there it it can totally happen. And I posted about this earlier this week of like racing the 5K in Chicago. And, you know, the first the first photo was like towards the end of the race. And I started to have a little bit of lactate acid build up in my forearms, which is weird. Um and you could just see it on my face. I was working hard. But cut to photo number two, it was at the 4K mark, so 1K to go. My friend Mary Lee and her husband Billy were there cheering me on. And I just have the, the biggest smile on my face. And it's actually a video that she took. And it's a five-second video. And I just have the biggest smile on my face the entire five seconds running through there. And... To me, I saw that and I thought, yes, this is everything that I wanted in this training cycle. So let me let me pull back. I went into Boston training like, okay, we're doing this. Um, 
I came off of the Houston half in January, not running what I wanted to run. So that was a bummer. Didn't take any time off. We went straight into Boston training and it was probably one of the hardest winners to train in Colorado. So add that on top of it. My friend Marilee calls it type three training, type three fun, where it's like not fun and very difficult. And there's really just ugh, a lot of ugh feeling. And so when I had a meeting with my coach after Boston, she talked about really leaning into speed this summer, which I knew was going to push me outside of my comfort zone. And I said, okay, I'll do this knowing it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be something I want to do, um, which actually ended up being more fun than I thought. And it's actually something I really enjoy. So I'm going back to that after CIM um, and lifting strong and lifting a lot. And I really loved that. It was a really nice change. But before we got into that, I said, okay, I'll do that if I can run a really fun fall. And what that looks like for me is running the Chicago 5K in a city that I love, running a 13.1 mile fast half marathon, which is my favorite distance to race. And then we can go to CIM and have so much fun there because it's going to be a huge, like, same but different experience from four years ago when Nell coached me for that race. So um, I was really, really excited about the fall. And I think it's important to know that you can have fun in training. It could be with the people you train with. It could be with your coach. It could be the places that you run, the things that you listen to while you're running. It could mean the races that you sign up for. And maybe you can't travel for races. So like create the fun wherever you live and sign up for really fun races or um, things that really fill your cup because it makes a huge, huge difference. I was very excited for Chicago last year, created a lot of fun on that course and ran a PR. So it goes hand in hand. When you're having fun in training, you show up more relaxed, the pressure's off you have a better time. You're ultimately then running stronger and faster because you are more relaxed and that builds the confidence, which then leads into, you know, feeling confident on race day and having more of that mental strength um, in your training. So it is kind of a huge domino effect, I feel like. Um, and I also want to share this story quickly. I shared this with to Austin before we started recording. I ran the Houston half January 23, so earlier this year, and it was a very tough day. It was a warm day. It was humid. I'd been running in like very cold Colorado temps, and the finish line photo is just like my face is very distressed <laughs> for a few different reasons. Cut to, and I ran 60 seconds off my PR, which some would say was a win, but anyways, I did not PR. I was trying to go under 90. I ran a 132.01. Cut to three weeks later, I was at the Mesa 10K. I felt great. The weather was dialed. It's a flat slash downhill 10K. I felt amazing. My finish line photo, I looked so relaxed, like I wasn't even racing. And it was actually my coach's dad, Rick Rojas, who is also a coach. He's a fabulous coach. He's also a former um, elite and pro runner back in the day, sponsored by Nike, he said to me, he's like, that's how you want to look in your race day photos. 
or not really in your photos. That's how you want to look when you're finishing a race. You want to be relaxed and controlled because then you're running smoother and you're running stronger than when you're running up tight and in distress like I was in Houston. So I thought that that was really um, significant and it's something that I'm really channeling in my workouts this season, in, in my long runs of like shoulders down, relaxed, keep the face relaxed and see if the pace comes a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. Um, I'm really happy. I didn't have any pictures of myself running, uh, <laughs> in these workouts in Texas this summer because there was nothing I mean, relaxed about it, but I, I know that um, the, the feelings that I've had in some of the workouts recently, um, and just like the, I've used the word control a lot. Um, yes. you know, I think a lot of us, you mentioned type a earlier, it's like a lot of us are control freaks. So when we can't yeah. control everything, we feel very bad about that. Um, yes. I might fall into that category a little bit, but I've felt very in control of my running specifically at these harder, faster paces. And I do feel like that's a sign of just relaxing into the run, relaxing into the training block um, and embracing uh, a lot of what we've already talked about, like the stress that you're going to feel, the fatigue that you're going to feel. And um, that it's a great feeling to, to come out on the other side of that and to see, oh, it was all for something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important too. like you, Austin had signed up for the indie marathon. You've done it before you were in a three fifteen two years ago there. And like, I think for you, it's like that was a confidence building foundation piece to your training because you know, the course, you know, mm-hmm. how you feel running there, you know, how great it is. And I think if you can do that in your training where it's like, you're going back to a race that gave you a lot of confidence before, or you're going into a race that really excites you for one reason or another, it's a really good place to start. Um, It's a really good um, thing that you weren't training with Nell's team in Colorado this summer, because we have a photographer that's on the track every single week. And I got to tell you, I never really see where he is. And every Wednesday, it's a little like, nerve wracking to see what comes through Instagram. <laughs> like, Where yeah. was Dave and what did he take? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's fun. And I think it's actually having pictures taken while you're in workouts and during races, I think is a really good way to see how you look on the outside. And oftentimes as a coach, I coach in person on Wednesday nights in Denver um, I'll look at athletes and say, oh, you look really strong. You look really controlled. You look really mm-hmm. smooth. And they say back to me, Some a lot of times they say yes, but sometimes they look back at me and they say, oh, I feel like crap. And it's <laughs> like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm telling you what I see on the outside, but you're feeling something totally different on the inside. And I think it does give those athletes a lot of confidence knowing like, they look good on the outside. So just relax a little bit more and see what happens. And it might just be a matter of warming up into the pace. But um, I think it's interesting if you can have someone take a video of you running to kind of see that and it could be a huge confidence booster or a learning experience on, on what you need to do with your running form to be a bit more relaxed to run stronger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody Those could have been tips a- this episode. 
I'll tell you what, it's been a really fun episode and I think I've enjoyed it so much because it's truly allowed me to reflect um, on recent training and just like how far I've come. And I hope that everyone listening to this episode can do the same while at the same time considering how you want to show up even better the next time. If you are, you know, on the Mm -hmm. other end of a race that you were training for and now you're considering what 2024 looks like for you. I hope that you can really take in some of what we've discussed today and apply it to those future training cycles because it's not all it, it it's barely ever going to be easy. I'm not even going to say it's not yeah. always going to be easy. Like it's going to feel like an uphill battle the majority of the time if you are training for a goal that's like pushing you to the limit, which I, I hope mm-hmm. that you are. There's so much to be gained from it. Um, so you know, just really lean into some of what we've discussed today. And uh, hopefully you are a a better runner for this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. A better runner, a stronger runner, looking back and feeling back to like where you started, where you are now, that should be the biggest confidence boost. And also knowing that training isn't linear. We all go through seasons that aren't really what we're looking for, but it's probably exactly what we need in the moment to be able to have a breakthrough later on when we're meant to have that breakthrough. So it can't always be sunshine and rainbows and PRs, unfortunately. Um, But you will get back to that point if you're not there. And I hope this episode was one that one, you laughed, smiled and thought, yeah, that's me (laughs) at some point and that you can learn and grow from and, um, and have a strong 2024. We're basically there. Yeah. Um, Quickly (laughs) arriving upon it. Um, well, we want to thank you for listening to this episode, uh, as you know, podcasters, we've come a long way and applied probably many of these lessons in some ways as well. Um, and you know, it's, it's amazing, um, kind of the growth that we've seen and we're just so proud of, uh, of being able to connect with runners on a weekly basis and hopefully, you know, impact your experience, uh, in running and also like the mindset that you have behind these physical challenges that you're, you're enduring. So thank you for listening to the podcast every single week. One thing that Sarah pointed out was the followers that we have um, specifically on Spotify. If you listen to our podcast through Spotify, um, obviously no matter where you listen to the podcast through, we would love it if you subscribed and left a review on the podcast that we've seen really helps us to grow and kind of expand our audience. Um, But if you're listening through Spotify, you can also follow the podcast. Um, So if you could do that as well, that would be um, really helpful for us. And we'd greatly appreciate um, seeing that feedback from you. Yeah, it's super fun. I just started to follow the podcast on Spotify. <laughs> so if you haven't done that yet, it's okay. I am with you. And it's really fun because you get notifications on new episodes. And I think over the next month, too, we'll be releasing two episodes a week. We have some bonus episodes coming up. We have some really fun guests coming up. Um, we have some great conversations. We have some awesome topics that we want to cover. Um, so it'll be really good to get those notifications if you follow us and subscribe, I think it's subscribe through Apple and follow us through Mm -hmm. Spotify. We totally appreciate you. If you want to leave a comment, if you want to DM us, if you want to share our episodes in Instagram stories, we'll do our best to reshare that as Mm -hmm. well. And 
We just love you all so much. We're growing um, at a really fun rate right now, and it's all thanks to you. So we really appreciate it, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you.